Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, February 5th, 2019. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. Whether you're a regular listener or new to the program, you know, I always have the same serious objective, and that is to help you become financially free some way, somehow. Where And that definition, I've gone over several times, that definition changes from person to person, but basically it means instead of you working for for uh, uh, working for the money to live on, you want to work for the freedom to decide whatever it is you want to do, not what you have to do. It's that simple. Do what you want to do instead of what you have to do. Do that, you got to have the money, the freedom, financial freedom, the money to make those kind of decisions. Now, that may be just continuing working what you're doing right now. That's okay. Or it may be saying, hey, I want to go, uh, I don't know, live in Alaska. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever it is that your, your goal is. So I'm going to help you get there. It's, it's, it's today we're going to talk about, I'm going to do my best by how I do this is answering questions every day. I do it, answer your questions, give you some perspective on the financial markets, try to give you my opinion, what's going on. I'm not always right. I am not, I don't pretend to be, but I do, I do make a point to tell you the honest truth without any kind of bias. Our number is 888-99-CHART. You can give us a call right now, 888-99-CHART. Now, you've heard of Google Play and Apple Pay, Google Pay and Apple Pay, and you may know that Discovery Card is experimenting with a bunch of fluid forms of commerce, you know, how to pay for things. Have you ever heard of Frictionless Payment Store? Frictionless Payment Store. Now, it refers to checking out. Your checkout, you, you leave the store. You don't ever go through the checkout. The theory is retailers can eliminate the need to wait in line to pay for your stuff. So you just walk out the door because it has all those barcodes and it could be red, you know, and you could have your uh, credit card or however you want to pay already pre, you know, established with the store. Kind of scary a little bit there. But is that going to take off? I think the retailers hope so because it really reduced costs and more lost jobs, of course. Uh, I'm not sure sure about that. Now, Amazon Go does something similar, right? I mean, uh. anyways, this frictionless payment system, whether it's in a store or whatever, they say that that's going to go from $253 million today, 2018, I should say, to $45 billion in 2023. From 253 million to 45 billion by 2023. I don't know. Does he really think that's going to happen? Well, that's what they say. That's what the experts, quote unquote, are saying. Okay, we all know that how you manage your money will play a big part of your goal of building a comfortable financial future. We know that. 
A new survey says credit card from creditcards.com claimed that nearly 20% of people keep a savings or a credit card or a checking account hidden from their partner. Hidden. Hidden. Isn't that interesting? In other words, you're keeping secret money. <laughs> 20% of people out there are doing that. Um, some people, I don't know, I think that's kind of bad. I mean, that doesn't, this does not build a healthy relationship in my mind, keeping secret money somewhere. Millennials from age 18 to 37 are twice as likely to do this. Twice as likely. And people in the coast, the north, the, the, the south, I should say, the south and west are more likely than the people in the northeast and the midwest. I find that interesting. Northeast is not the same as the West. Facebook is 15 years old. And as you know, Facebook has recently suffered a lot of acquisition, acqu, acu, accusations of, of big brother-like privacy violations. And that took the stock down pretty low to about $120 a share. But now it's about 167 or so. So it bounced back despite those highly publicized troubles. Hmm. So many people still believe in Facebook. I don't really care for the model, but that's me. And um, there's there are they they've done very well. I mean, the, their earnings have been pretty impressive in the recent recent earnings report we saw. That's some of the news out today, people. What do you want to talk about? There's always lots of interesting news out today. Did you see the news about Apple? Apple. It wasn't really about Apple. It was Goldman Sachs. We're going to talk about that today. They, they said, we're going to talk that in our main talking point. Apple buyout targets could include Netflix. Really? We're going to talk about that. There's always something new, something interesting. Now we can grab one of our callers, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Greg. I'm calling from Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I was calling with a question about um, IRAs versus just an, uh, an external brokerage account. Um, I'm 27 years old, and I have an IRA that I contribute to monthly. Um, but I was wondering if it even makes sense for me to have a separate brokerage account outside of that if I'm not already maxing out my IRAs. So basically, does it should I be maxing out my IRAs before I even bother setting up and investing with a, a separate brokerage account? Look forward to your answer on the podcast. Thanks. Yes, you should. Always, yeah, because the IRAs, uh, you know, if it's a normal IRA, it's tax deductible. If it's a Roth IRA, it grows tax-free. So, yeah, you want to max out your IRAs first before you open up a separate brokerage account to invest in stocks or mutual funds or ETFs because of the tax advantages. So, yeah, you would. You also want to max out your 401k, uh, and that depends on... Uh, um, I want you to max it out, but it also depends how much the employer matches. Uh, if the employer matches all the way up to, you know, the, was it 18500 uh, maximum that you can put in, then yeah, you want to do that. Whatever the employer matches, you want to do first. And that's before you put an IRA or a Roth IRA because you're getting free money from the employer. You want to grab that first. But yeah, you want to, after that, you max out the IRAs. Once you've done that, then you go and open up a brokerage account. Okay? 888-99-CHART. That's a good question, by the way. 888-992-4278. Again, our main talking point is going to be about Apple. Not really. Yeah, it's about Apple and what it's going to do with all that huge cash hoard 
And there's speculation that they could buy Netflix. Well, they could. Will they? I don't think so. But anyways, that's that's one, going to be our main talking point today. Uh, do you have enough in retirement savings to last 23 years? Do you know that's about the average length of people in retirement? 23 and a half years. What the flaw in the Fed's foreign guidance, and if, is it, it, you know, does the Fed really not know what's going on? Because I'm going to give you a little series of what they decided. You tell me, does this not sound like they're not sure what they're doing? So I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. Finally, uh, the State of the Union message tonight. What happens the day after a State of the Union messages? I got stats on that. Interesting stats. I don't know if they're worthwhile or helpful for us investors, but they're interesting. And um, GM says most of 2019, and when I say GM, I mean Goldman, uh, 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 um, not Goldman Sachs, but uh, the other big, pardon me? Anyways. No, not General Motors. Uh, one of the other big wirehouses. Anyway, we'll talk about that. They think that uh, most of the move for 2019 has already happened in January. Isn't that interesting? That they, so they think the market's not going to go any further than what it's already gone this year. Hmm. Our main talking point is going to be interesting, I think. Everybody likes Apple. Some of the other topics I just discussed, that's what we're going to discuss today on the show. What is on your mind? The market was up today again. Remember the Fibonacci numbers I was talking about in the last couple of weeks and that is right at the Fibonacci's where the last two numbers, last two days, it broke above the Fibonacci resistant levels. So the market looks like it might go up and retest the old highs. Interesting. I thought they would hesitate here. I th Hesitate more than they did. I mean, they really didn't. It was only like a few days, maybe a week that they went sideways. Not even a week. So not really a he much hesitation. Kind of worries me a little bit. It's going up too fast. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I invite you to consider subscribing to our KPP Premium Financial Newsletter. It comes out each Friday morning to subscribers. Every Friday morning. It comes into the e inbox serious investors with lots of things that they have to do busy schedule you workers all you guys who are trying to get things done this will help you because it's short concise as to what's going on in a week so all you do is go to investtalk.com you can sign sign up for it right there investtalk.com 888-99-CHART is our number give us a call Market continues to show ups and downs, and of course, you want unbiased investing advice. So, Steve is here taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, uh, it's Ben from Mississippi. Thanks for all you guys do. I was picked up some AT&T ticker T, a little over $30 a share. I'm not sure what you got. You say not to invest in companies that don't make money. It seems like they're struggling with their earnings and getting their debt down. I was wondering if you think I should keep holding, if you still think AT&T can pull it together in the, you know, in the next five years. All right, thanks. Uh, AT&T is not struggling with its earnings. It's really not. It's making money. It always makes money. It's going to make $3.58 this year, $3.65 next year. When, when Maybe you're referring to the, that their earnings growth is very, very small. Well, that's been true forever. 
for AT&T because they're so big, the $215 billion company. You know, it's either Verizon or AT&T. They pay 6.9% dividend. So you buy AT&T not for the growth. You buy it for the dividend. So you want to buy it inexpensive if you can. Well, it's at $29.63. Can they afford to pay that dividend? Yes. The cash flow is $6.77. Profits are $3.58 and $3.65. They can pay 6.9% without breaking a sweat. And their debt, not that heavy, really. Not. So, uh, yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a good buy at this price. I think it's a, a reasonable, uh, low-priced stock. P.E., I mean, $3.65 next year and they're gonna make and the price of the stock is thirty dollars twenty nine sixty three okay well what's the pe there nine i mean eight nine i mean that's pretty inexpensive so i, I yeah i like it okay uh let's talk about apple buyout targets could include netflix and uh uh, a company called Sonus. And this is what J.P. Morgan says. And by the way, that's what I meant by GM. GM at J.P. Morgan. Um, so Apple has, you know how much money they have? I mean, they have such a huge amount. They could also buy Activision Blizzard. Remember, Netflix says their biggest com- competitors is not other TV networks or stations or anything like that, but but gamers. Ga- uh you know, the games, Fortnite kind of things. The Fortnite games, that kind of stuff is really, Netflix is saying that's their competition. Well, Apple could buy Activision Blizzard. They make games. I don't know who makes Fortnite. I don't know that. So, you know, shares of Apple have gone down. They've gone down about 25% recently. Um, but they are making a comeback. They have made a comeback. So they have about $130 billion in cash. They have $45 billion in cash flow per year. What are they going to do with all that money? Now, they don't have a history of buying big companies. They don't. They buy small companies and fold them into their 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 products, but they don't buy big companies. So I don't know if they will do that, but uh, J.P. Morgan thinks they might. It would be interesting. They've never done it before. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for making this program part of your day, your routine. Jess and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. We really do. You can call, ask your questions, anything financial we'll talk about. 888-99-CHART. You're listening to Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Art Menlo Park, and he wants to talk about one of my most hated things are a penny stock. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to ask you about it. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see what you thought. Somebody told me about this about, um, must have been about a week or two ago. It was uh, uh-huh. a nickel, like a quarter almost. And, I was and now it's 24 uh, cents. 
Yeah, this is this is what penny stocks do, Art. They 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 pull you in, they fake you out. Does it make money? What do they do? I mean, I don't have any information on the company. I don't because we don't track penny stocks. The software, the all the data I I bring. There's no following. There's no uh, Wall Street following. So people can manipulate these stocks really, really easy because they send out a, a press release and say, "Hey, they're going to make a bazillion dollars." This is exactly how they do it. This is a pump and dump type of thing. They pump the stock up, get it, and they already own the stock. Remember, the people are pumping it, own it. They own it at a nickel, okay? And then they pump it, pump it, pump it, and then when it gets up high enough, they'll dump it on you. Now, that is a typical penny stock strategy. We talked about that in the class last week, or the week before last, uh, and what that's called pump and dump. Now, maybe they have a product, maybe they have a great idea, maybe, 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 but how much money do they make? They don't make anything. How much sales, what's their sales? What's their fun? What's their profit margins? What's all those things? All your basing that you have nothing on that. All you can base your your buy and sell decision on is the pure movement of the stock. And as I've told you, they're very easy to manipulate. Wall Street shysters manipulate them all the time, and that they suck you in. And, and uh, most people lose all their money on these things. So I wouldn't get near it, Hart. I would not. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Nick and Hayward. How you doing, Nick? Yeah, fine, fine, Steve. Thank you for your great uh, show. And uh, I was thinking, I know you may not like it, but cannabis stock called Aurora, ACB, uh-huh. they have a P.E. ratio of uh, 36 something. So they're making some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they are going to make money. Uh, they are making money. They've made money in 2018. They're going to make money this year, and they're going to make money next year. Interesting, they made 15 cents a share in 2018. They made that. They actually made that. Before, they always lost money. This year, they're only going to uh-huh. estimate to make a nickel a share, and then next year, 2020, only 9 cents a share. So I'm not sure why that would be. Sales are increasing over 200% a quarter. This is Aurora Cannabis, Inc., everybody. Canadian-based company engaged in the production and distribution of medical cannabis. So um, I, I don't like the ones that are penny stocks, don't make money, but this company is in Canada, it's legal in Canada, and it's legal, uh, medical marijuana is legal. So this is a stock you can buy because of the fundamentals and everything else because there's no danger of the federal government, our federal government shutting it down. They can't because it's not uh-huh. even a U.S. company. So uh, you're really buying this because of the upcoming growth. The growth of sales will eventually, should eventually turn into massive profits at some point. I don't like the fact that the company, none of the management owns any of the company. But it's not a small company. It's a, it's a $7.5 billion company. Pretty pretty decent yeah. size. If you're going to buy, if you're going to buy a marijuana kind of stock because you um, because you think it's growing so fast in sales and eventually you make lots of money, this is the kind you do buy. The ones that make mm-hmm. money, have massive good sales, everything they're doing is legal. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not opposed to cannabis stocks. I'm only opposed to cannabis stocks that don't make money and don't have a hope of making money, and they only have a good story to tell you, and everybody's buying into the story. This one actually has sales and numbers and earnings and all those things. It's it's kind of pricey, but the sales growth, if it keeps that up, that 
It's $7.90. That'll be cheap someday. Got up to $12 last year a share. I don't, I don't see why it can't go back up there. Earnings are, are the problem. They are going down this year. But at sales, you buy this thing for the sales, the growth of sales. And that is pretty high. Good luck with it. I hope it works, Nick, for you. ACB A C B was a symbol, everybody. Aurora Cannabis Inc. ACB. So it's a, a ADR traded on our New York Stock Exchange. Here's an investing term you should know. Back-end ratio. Have you ever heard of back-end ratio? The back-end ratio, also known as the debt-to-income ratio, I'm sure you've heard that, is a ratio that indicates what portion of a person's monthly income goes toward paying debts. Same way with companies. What portion of the company's income goes toward paying debts? Okay, total, you know, that's what back-end ratio is. Total monthly debt or expense divided by gross monthly income times 100. Lenders use this ratio, everybody. Well, for on a personal business, they use this ratio to figure out if you can afford the mortgage, let's say. Can you afford it? You can get all the, the, the much more detailed in, at Investopedia, the definition if you want. Investopedia.com. Tomorrow on Talk. A proposal from two U.S. senators that seeks to limit stock buybacks could be a big negative for the market. That is story is tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where every investor has an opportunity to determine their risk tolerance by using a free online tool at investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. Riskalyze offers valuable technology that will pinpoint with unmatched accuracy a client's acceptable level of risk. So know this your first step to greater financial success is taking a short, Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire. Steve and Justin can use the results to ensure that the risk in your portfolio becomes aligned with your investment goals and expectations. In other words, your particular financial situation. So why wait? You can get started controlling your investment destiny right now at no cost. Go to the InvestTalk menu link at investtalk.com, scroll down and click on Risk Questionnaire. This is Invest Talk, and it's hard to believe, but we are already into February, and you're going to need unbiased investing advice. We've got it covered. Steve's here now taking your questions live. Call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. Aloha, Steve and Justin. This is Gray from Honolulu. I have two questions today. First, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Kemet, ticker symbol K E M. It's a company that manufactures passive electronic components based out of South Carolina. It recently reported positive earnings, yet the stock took a dip of nearly 20% Thursday morning, and I'm thinking of opening a position. My second question is regarding charting tools. I was just wondering if you guys could name a few of the most important charting tools to master to help you know when to enter and exit positions. I look forward to hearing your response. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 
Okay, Kemet Corporation. K E M is the symbol, and you're right. They um, they they look really inexpensive from the numbers. It manufactures solid film and electronic capacitors for electronic OEMs and distributors. It's a one billion dollar company, so it's a small cap company. There's your your danger. Those are, it can be very volatile. And it even pays a dividend. I'm not sure why, 1.1%, because you would, most small caps don't and probably shouldn't. They're going to make $3.42 this year and $3.74 next year. It's an $18 stock. That's insanely cheap. And so it made $1.75 a share in 2018. So I need to know why it's going to go from $1.75 to $3.42. What happened that all of a sudden they had that huge drop in earnings? Now, sales are going up too, but they're going up in 14 to 20% a quarter. I mean, you have a 100% jump in earnings in one year. I, I, I want to know what that's all about. $3.74 is an $18 stock. You can't get much cheaper than that, okay? It just, they just don't exist. What is that, 5 PE? And that's its return equity is 33%. Everything looks good on the numbers. Not too much debt. Everything looks good. So, yeah, that might be, uh, from a fundamental point of view, it looks pretty good. From a technical point of view, what you want to look at is support and resistance lines. And um, that's going to be the class this week at, at the, the Invest Talk Academy. I'm, talk, I'm going to show a bunch of charts, and we're going to draw trend lines. I'm going to have moving averages, and I'm going to show price numbers for support and resistance. You're looking for support and resistance. For this company, the support is right around 16 bucks. It bounced there three times uh, and bounced off. It's $18.58. Okay, so there is the support. Resistance comes in right around $21, $22. There's the resistance. So you want to buy it at $16, $17. You can buy it here at $18.56. But this would be the buy point. And then that so that, that support, like $16, is now your floor. We go below that floor. That would be a sell signal. So support and resistant lines gives you so it gives you buy and sell signals. And the twenty-one dollar, what I'm saying, it might stop or slow down at twenty-one dollars. That's where the two hundred day moving average comes in, and usually that usually slows it down until they then they want to. You were looking for a break of that two hundred day moving average, but it will act as resistance. It did it before the last time in December when it was there. So, yeah, that's what you're looking for, support and resistance, learning how to identify support and resistance. And in the class this Thursday, I mean, all I did was like I did 15 different charts showing, you know, first starting with trend lines, breaking of trend lines up and down as buy and sell signals, and then moving averages, you know, 20-day, 50-day, 100-day, 200-day moving average, and breaking those moving averages. And then I'm going to put in a, I'm just going to build a bunch of charts, and I'm going to teach the lesson of how to recognize it. Because the only way you learn chart reading is to look at a bunch of charts and understand what you're looking at. And just, to, just a reminder, chart reading is not a science. It's more of an art. Anyways, appreciate the call. Thank you. 888-99 chart. Okay. Most people live 23 and a half years after they retire. Whether you retire, you know, 60, 65, whatever. That's the average. 23 and a half years. So that's how much time at the minimum that you have to have money for to survive. 
Okay, that's when we talk about financial freedom. That's how many years. So let's round that off to 25 years. You're going to have enough money after you retire. If you retire in the normal age, 60, 65 in the range, you're going to have enough money to last 25 years. How much does the average people spend in retirement? Well, they did surveys on that. If you're 65 or older, you're spending on average annual annually about $46,000. $46,000. Now, that may not be so in California or New York or certain very expensive areas, but every place else in the country. What is uh, and the average household, by the way, is fifty-seven thousand. Whether not not old, not retired, just average people. Okay, in retirement, what's your what's your most expensive things? Well, first housing, thirteen hundred and twenty-two dollars a month. Healthcare, five hundred dollars a month, and then food, four hundred eighty-four dollars a month. That's why when I talk to you and talk to individuals when I meet them and I talk about, well, in your, when you enter retirement, you do not want to have a mortgage because you can't, you know, we, that's the biggest expense in retirement. It's eating your money. Remember, you don't have, you're not actively earning more income. You're not going to get raises. You know, you're not going to be able to keep up with inflation unless you allow your investments to keep growing. So, what if you don't have that kind of money? Well, you can do a reverse mortgage on your home if you have a home. I mean, that's one thing. You can leverage your home into some income, you know, for you. Um, um, but there's not, you got you can always get, find a part-time job, do a hobby that's fun, that pays you something. That might work. If you don't have the money, you don't have the money. You have to do something else. You got to reduce expenses. Some way, somehow, you know, and the biggest one you can reduce is living expense somewhere. It might mean you have to move to, you know, I don't know, wherever, someplace very low, low cost. I don't know. 888-99-CHART is our number. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And dealing with developments like stock market volatility, real estate costs, new tax laws, is going to be a big change this year. Yeah, you, know, you gotta you gotta be you gotta be pretty persistent and disciplined to build your investment portfolio with all these changes happening all the time. It's difficult, I know that, but you have to do it. So when you get when you get to that point where you can't handle it, that's why you hire professionals like us. You you, use, you hire somebody. If it's not us, it's got to be somebody like us. So I encourage you to reach out to Justin or myself at KPP Financial. Send me an email if you want to sit down and talk about your portfolio. I'll be happy to do that. I'm happy to look it over, you know, even if you are you can't meet. We, I do it all the time for people all across the country. You know, my office is in Dana Point, California, which is, you know, between San Diego and Los Angeles, right on the coast. Anyways, so send me an email if you want to talk about your finances. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance, 
They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Josh from San Diego. New investor. Had a question. You guys say a stock is going to make money this year and you know, they're potentially going to only make, you know, $2 and so on uh, next year. And they have a dividend, for example. So are they making that money per share at the end of the year in addition to uh, whatever the dividend payout, if it has a dividend as well? So, or is that what you mean uh, in the form of a dividend? That's what it equals is $3 and so much a share or, or whatever it may be. Uh, appreciate the clarification in advance. All right. Love the show. Okay. Okay, that's a good question. So let's take a look at Kemet Corporation. They're going to make three dollars and seventy-four cents a share. Okay, that's how much money they're going to make, not counting anything to do with dividends. That's how much they make. They say that they're going to pay one point one percent in dividend. Now it's an eighteen-dollar stock. That percentage is taken off the price of the stock. So one percent of eighteen dollars is eighteen cents. So they can easily afford to pay the dividend out of the earnings per share of $3.74 are going to make. Now, we talked about AT&T earlier on. AT&T pays almost a 7% dividend, and it's based on their price of their stock, 7% of $29 a share. Well, let's call it 30 That means $2.10 is what they're going to pay in dividend. They're going to earn $3.65, so they also can afford to pay that dividend, Right? So what if the what if the the percent is higher than the earnings? That means they're paying more than the dividend. How can they keep that up? That's a very that's worrisome. So when we say they're making twenty dollars or eight dollars or fifty cents per share in earnings, earnings per share, that is total. And out of that earnings per share, they got to pay the dividend. They got to pay that dividend out of the earnings per share. Now, there's all kinds of ways to mess around with the numbers. For instance, AT&T cash flow is $6.77, but their earnings are only you know $3.65. So cash flow and earnings are very different. You have to understand the difference. But they can manipulate things, and they, companies often do. One of the easiest ways to manipulate things, if you are a, a, like an airline, is mess around with the depreciation of the airplanes. Mess around. Any company can mess around the depreciation of the equipment, manufacturing devices, property. They can say it's going to last 20 years or 30 years or five years, and that depreciation messes around with the earnings per share, bottom line. So there's different ways to fool you. It's not easy. Anyway. Good, good call. Good question. 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-992-4278. Well, talk about the Federal Reserve. Okay, why the Federal Reserve? They have so many flaws in their guidance, okay? 
because it, they, I, you get the impression that maybe they don't even know what they're doing. For instance, I'll give you for instance. On December 19th, that's when the Federal Reserve met, right? And they raised, they raised the Federal Reserve rate by a quarter point. And they projected two more rate hikes in 2019. They were very hawkish. They're going to raise rates. January 4th, which was not that many days later, two weeks, Powell, Chairman Powell says, there's no present path for policy. The Fed will be patient and is prepared to adjust policy quickly and flexibly. So what happened in like two weeks? Okay, though at the end of January, that's January 4th, December 19th, or January 4th, then January 30th, the Fed says it will be patient about future adjustments to interest rates. Clearly telling us that they're not going to be raising rates. So, and that's within a month. That's within 40, 45 days from I'm going to raise them two times next year and we're increasing a quarter percent to that. Well, well geez, if you go back even further on in October, he said he, we were a long way from neutral on interest rates. Remember that? November, in November. Then, remember, in October 3rd, November 28th, which is like two months later, he says interest rates remain just below the broad range of neutral. Two months ago, you said you were a long way from it. And then December, you raise rates. See what I mean? They go back and forth. They go, what? Do... And it really does. Is I think they're trying to be too transparent in what they're thinking. They're trying to be too transparent. I think they should be transparent. But if this is what they are sloshing back and forth, it reduces their credibility, in my opinion. And what what does what does the Fed have but credibility? That's the main thing they have. You know, as far as you got to believe them. Because if they're raising rates, you got to, you know, if they're going to raise it, you want to believe what they say. And if it turns out they raise rate one month and the next month they don't, when they said they were going to raise rates more, where's their belief? Where's their credibility? And the Fed can't afford a non-credibility. Because remember, inflation is all about expectations. If you can't believe the Fed is trying to control inflation and is doing a dub of controlling inflation, then people might expect inflation to go higher. And it's the expectations which causes the inflation. There's other fundamental things behind it too, but you know, it's your belief in inflation or the lack of inflation that really boosts or retards inflation. It's just like the economy. The consumer drives the economy. If the consumer believes that the future is going to be bleak, they will stop spending money now and make that future bleak, economically speaking. They drive it. This is the Mess Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. The year seems to be moving on pretty fast. We're almost finished with the, we're already finished with January, moving into the second week of February. Was it the fifth? Okay, well, next week. So it's moving fast. We got 10 minutes left. The show moves fast too. So give me a call if you want to talk and ask any financial questions. 888 99Chart. Have you 
visited investtalkacademy.com? You should. It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. And you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Dustin. I'm calling in regards to the stock TJ Maxx, symbol TJX, and wanted to see what entry point would be for the stock and what you think the outlook is. Um, I'll be listening for the answer on your podcast. Thank you. Okay, TJX, TJ Maxx stores, 4,070 stores. Um, and they also have home goods stores. Did you know that? They plan to open 238 more, 6% more in 2018 to 2019. So I'm a little concerned because, you know, they're apparel stores and they're making good money. The company's doing fine. Growth sales are growth 12, 12, 12%, 12%, three quarters in a row, 12% each. And they're going to make $2.60 next year after making $2.45 this year. They made $2 last year. Uh, the, the, shop, the stock is not cheap. It's right around, based on next year's earnings, about 18%. Really good return to equity, 54%. Not too much debt. The fundamentals look really good. And it's not really out of line as far as a price. A good entry part is the low 40s. Low 40s, it's at $49.22 now. So why am I not so keen on it? Because it's a clothing store, pearl stores. 4,000, they're going to open a bunch of more. The competition from Amazon. I always worry about Amazon when it comes to these kinds of stores. What is their what is their solution for Amazon taking away their business? And many of these stores don't have one. Now, maybe TJ Maxx does, but I'd have to look at it very carefully to see what that is. Maybe they have an online, uh, online system that competes directly with Amazon and beats them at their own game. That's really what you're looking for. Yeah, it's doing great now, but what's the competition going to look like down the road? Anyways, say the union message is uh, out tonight, uh, pretty soon, I guess. And President Trump uh, is going to give us his, his opinion. And I looked at a bunch, all the other State of the Union messages. On the average, it's about an uh, increase the day after a State of the Union message by a president. The day after, average is 0.28% up for the markets. Last year, it was 0.3%. Now, it's not true every year. Uh, the last, the year before the la- Obama's last year, his last State of the Union message was down 2.2%, which is pretty strong. Of the last eight years, eight years, five have been down. But remember, the average is up 2.2, going back forever. What do we do with this stat? Nothing. It's meaningless. It's interesting, but you can't do anything with it. So don't. <laughs> So don't don't take any of these stats that I, I spout. I try to tell you whether they're good stats or bad stats. It's not it's not whether they're good or bad. It's probably more that they're interesting because some of the stat most of the stats pumped out there by the experts are useless to you as an investor. Most of them. So, J.P. Morgan says 
Goldman Sachs, not J.P. Morgan. Yeah, J.P. Morgan says that the the move in January for our market is probably the bulk or all of the move for all of 2019. They think it's not going to go up anymore from here. Now, don't think that that means the market won't be volatile. It can go way down, then come back up to here. That's probably in their minds. They didn't say that. But if they think all it's going to do is go from here, the market's not going to go sideways for that for another 11 months. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be more volatile. So does that mean they're predicting some big down strokes this year? But not much upstrokes from where we are? They're saying we're at the top. We're at the top right now. The market's not going to go any higher than it is right this second. Okay. Do we believe them? Depends. It depends on China. It depends on Brexit. There's all those things that are headwinds right now. What if they got rid of those headwinds? What if uh, Europe starts to turn around mid-year and start to show growth in their economy again? What if China does that? What if China and us agree to a trade deal this year? I think the market's going higher. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program, and I thank you for your loyal support and, of course, your questions. Have a nice evening, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow, I promise. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.